Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trina. Thanks for joining me. This week's show will feature an interview with Jim Miller, who is uh, the author, writer, reporter who has covered ESPN in-depth, also wrote a great book on Saturday Night Live, and uh, knows all about ESPN, So we have and, and knows all about TV, so we... Uh, did basically half sports, half TV for, for you guys out there. We uh, talked about Ed Werder going back to ESPN, fallout from Dan Lebitard, uh, the ringer, and then the union story that came out this week. And then we get into some stuff about Curb Your Enthusiasm. Jim has a little bit of news on when we will see season 10 from Larry David and uh, got into a little discussion about Eddie Murphy. So we have all that coming up for you. On this episode last week, if you're a WWE fan, Stone Cold Steve Austin was on the podcast. He was pretty great. And uh, check that out. Please, if you're not a subscriber, it would be great if you subscribed. And uh, also, if you can rate and review the pod, it helps tremendously. And now, hopefully, you'll like this interview with Jim Miller, and then you will review it and rate it. We go to Jim Miller on uh, ESPN, sports media, and TV slash pop culture. All right, joining me now, regular occurring guest on the SI Media Podcast, one of my favorite people to speak to, author, writer, reporter, host of the Origins Podcast, and the man who knows everything about ESPN, Jim Miller. Jim, how are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm well. Always enjoy having you on because we talk about ESPN and then we talk about a lot of TV stuff, and that's my plan for today. So um, we'll go all over the place. I want to start with ESPN. Um, I thought it was interesting. They brought Ed Werder back, who was there for a long time, and one of the more, I think, uh, well-known people at ESPN for a long time was part of the layoffs in 2017, and then this week, Ed came back. Do you have, I mean, you know everything about ESPN. you have any backstory there, any inside information? Um, I, I don't think anyone else from those layoffs has come back besides Ed, so I thought that was interesting, and obviously it's a fit that he covers the Cowboys. That's sort of uh, his beat there. So what, what were your thoughts about ESPN bringing back Ed Werder? Well, I tweeted Monday morning. I said, you know, it was a hell of a great way to start out the week because, um, you know, he was caught up in those in those layoffs, and I think people felt bad about it, and he was missed. And it's great that they brought him back. Um, you know, you, you kind of you hear that news, and then you kind of think, wait a second, um, maybe some of those other people can be brought back. Right. And uh, you know, and uh, it's it's unclear now what the what the larger agenda is. But it certainly has given some people hope that you know you, you're going to be able to maybe see some some other faces that have uh, that have disappeared. And uh, you know I think we just have to be really cautious about you know maybe how much that really is going to happen. It's also an interesting lesson because in this business, I think when something like that happens, because of this beast now that is known as social media and Twitter specifically, it's so easy when you get laid off to sort of maybe go off half cocked and, and let it fly. But it does. Uh, I don't know if there's any young journalists or broadcasters or anyone, I think in any business that's out there listening it, there is something to be said about not burning bridges in this business. Uh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, when you go through something difficult the best thing to do is to just put away your phone stay away from twitter and other social media and uh just kind of absorb it i mean i think that that's been that's proven to be the case in 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 a variety of of instances and i think that ed handled it really well and he was also i thought it was you know when you go through something like that when you're like somebody like ed or some of the other people who have um, left ESPN, one thing that happens is you get to see how much you're appreciated. Um, Bob Lee told me after he was announced his retirement that he couldn't believe, you know, the response that his uh, departure engendered. And uh, I think that's, yeah, as difficult as it is, is I think it's it's sometimes gratifying for people to see it. And then you just got to kind of hold on and fasten your seatbelt and not let yourself get too carried away easier said than done but i think your point is absolutely right on it's a, that's a very interesting um piece of information there about bob lee I, I remember when uh, mike and the mad dog broke up and in new york it was a it was a monster story on the back pages and and i know Roos, chris russo has always said that he was shocked by the response to their breakup uh and just like there with bob lee i'm surprised bob is surprised that hey, he's been there so long he was known as sort of the voice of espn it's kind of surprising he'd be surprised by the reaction to his retirement well i mean he was trending on twitter look i think that there i mean it used to be that it was really difficult to calculate what kind of blip you were on the radar now at least there are certain metrics i mean in terms of twitter followers and maybe instagram followers other you know hits you might get on something that you write or a piece of video about you, but 
I still think, and he was genuinely shocked. I still think it's, it is a surprise for a lot of people. Of course, then again, there are some people at ESPN who think that if they were to leave, the world would come to an end and 50 million people would be. <laughs> so it, it goes both ways. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's the universe true. would stop. ESPN would have to, Disney would have to declare bankruptcy, uh, you know, yeah. all, all those other things. Very true. Very true. Is it, I mean, is there anything, I mean, since we're talking about Bob and we, everyone was surprised that he, he ended up leaving ESPN. Um, anything nefarious there or it just is what it is and it was a guy who's done that job for a long time and he decided to call it a career sometimes a cigar is just a cigar yeah yeah i mean look i think that i think bob has always been a practicing adult and he's always had a pretty good rational look at his own career and the state of the business and also the state of the network has have there been times when he has been Frustrated or upset there? Absolutely. I think Bob Lee is probably one of the people, not that it can be calculated in a competitive way, but I think that the first and second rounds, well, all the rounds of layoffs hit him very, very hard. He lost a lot of good close friends and colleagues that he had worked on, and I think that there were moments during those, during those turbulent times when he, I think, found it hard to maybe come into work um, as opposed to other times when he was anxious to come into work. I think there have been times when things have been, I mean, look, he had a lot of, a lot of independence in terms of mandate for outside the lines. And I think he had certainly the reputation within ESPN and outside as being a very serious journalist and somebody who was able to, you know, look at things objectively, but I think there were times, particularly with the NFL stuff, that um, he got a little frustrated. But he always came back to work, and he was always, you know, a a solid company guy. So I I think that he got to the point where he decided that he wanted to spend more time with his – it's one of those few times when it's like, well, I've decided to spend more time with my family. But in Bob's case, case, he really meant that, and he's got – you know, uh, he's, he's got a wife for many years, he's got kids, he's got grandkids. I mean, I think he really decided to take a deep breath and, and really enjoy uh, enjoy himself a lot more and give himself a lot more time than he used to have. Uh, since you, you know all about ESPN, the Lebertard thing is now a couple of weeks old. It's sort of over and done with, but uh, I was... I'm curious, I would imagine there's a lot of things that took place inside of Bristol um, and in Disney offices that we don't know about that maybe still are sort of um, being felt today. Because the decision to not suspend Lebetard, whether you think he should or shouldn't, is irrelevant. They made it clear there's this rule about no politics. He broke the rule. There was no suspension. What was the vibe from uh, sort of the ESPN troops about no suspension for Lebetard. Did you ever hear anything about that? Well, first of all, are you 100% sure that he wasn't suspended? Oh, because that one day when he... Uh, well, there was the one day he didn't do the first hour, and then the next... Then he took a, then he took a day off, was the, was the story that we were told. Right. My point is, <laughs> I'm not trying to fuel some conspiracy theory, but right. the point is that this was the first big 
Synapse HRYs for Jimmy Pataro as president. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things that to emerge from it was this a new doctrine, it's a new approach that he has, which is he's going to keep disciplinary action private. You know, we always used to hear, okay, well, is it going to be two weeks? Is it going to be two weeks with pay? One week without pay? And there were all these different, I mean, when Simmons was suspended and Tony Kornheiser was suspended and others, there was always that kind of like waiting for the smoke to come from the chimney about what the punishment was going to be. Mm -hmm. And I think Jimmy decided that he's not going to do that. that. That's probably smart in terms of giving people their privacy and not making it a sensationalistic thing in the press. Right. But what it did do was it caused, I think, a great deal of confusion internally at ESPN because people said, wait a second, this, this looks like a violation of the policy. And you've been telling us that we're not allowed to do that. And so what happens when we do it? And so I think there was, and I think there still is to a certain degree, because I've talked to people there about it as recently as this week. I think there's a, there's a, a fair amount of, of uncertainty and confusion about what happens when you do that. And quite frankly, if somebody does something next week and they were to get suspended or whatever. They have every right to say, "Wait a second, uh, you know that? Why me? Right. Look, I, I don't think, I don't think Dan did, I don't think Dan did anything wrong. First of all, and I think, I don't think he was trying to, to, to get himself in trouble. I think he was really speaking from, you know, conviction and, and dare I say, even from the heart. Right. But. It's just, you know, when when you've set up a world like ESPN has, has set itself up, it becomes um, a little bit more difficult and complicated to then uh, understand what, what the real policy is from now on. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of layers to it, which I think causes some of the confusion because what Dan did, he did on ESPN TV slash radio. But part of the ESPN uh, policy includes the social media feeds of the talent. So when, uh, you know, there were tweets from ESPN people about the, the shootings in El Paso, that breaks the not sports policy, I would assume, even though they're saying absolutely nothing controversial or that would offend anyone, which you would think Dan saying, you know, racism is bad and uh, send their back chants are bad. That shouldn't really be a controversial statement either. So there's so much gray and so much blurred lines. I mean, ESPN wants you to think it's a black and white thing. I feel like it's far from it, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm curious what your take is. I I don't think it's ever black and white. Look, when Trump said the other day that he thought Colin Kaepernick should come back if, you know, teams wanted him, I thought, okay, here we go. Well, you know, is somebody allowed to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, who cares what he thinks or why is he saying this now compared to some of the other things he said in the past? Or, right. You know, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a slippery slope. And, and that slope is going to get more and more dangerous as we head to November of 2020. Yeah. I just, I mean, I think it's dangerous now. I, yeah. I think it's very difficult. I think it's very difficult for ESPNers to navigate that line. I think that there are some things that they know that they shouldn't do, and but 
uh, I still think that, look, it's impossible. We, I mean, I keep on saying this. I mean, 1936, Jesse Owens in Munich, 1968, the Olympics. I mean, we could go on and on and on. This idea that sports and politics are two independent parallel lines that should never uh, cross. It's, it's unrealistic. It's right. naive and it's ignorant of history. And it's, and again, when you're a guy like Dan, who whose job is to get on the radio for three hours a day, you can sit there and say his job is to talk about sports. But when you do a daily radio show and you're as popular as that show is, you talk about life. You don't just talk about sports. So it's it's it, to me, it's just such an impossible task to uh, tell him, you know, this is off limits or this is. You know, not allowed to. Well, be that's discussed. why. That's why the guys at Fox and the women at they, Fox. It's easier for Fox people, right? Because they can. They don't have to worry. They don't have to. They don't have to worry about where the line is. And I think that uh, it's just a whole different, different kind of mission. Are you talking about Fox, FS1, Fox? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think anybody cares about those shows. I think that's a factor too. Maybe I'm just saying though, yeah. if you're a host and you wake up in the morning and that's your show, right, 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 you don't have to worry about where the line is or if you say something. And if you say something that garners a lot of attention, you'll probably get applauded for it because uh, you know it's going. It, it, that that's a good thing, publicity-wise. Right. They don't, you know, they don't frown on that. So it's just an easier thing to do. I mean, can you imagine if on election night of 2020, God forbid, Trump wins again? You're going to tell me not one ESPN personality is going to be able to tweet that night, and if they do, they're going to get... I mean, what are they going to do, suspend the whole entire company? I mean, it's just... It's comical. I think they'll probably be running 30 for 30 <laughs> and uh, not be live. <laughs> Can you imagine tape programming for about 24 hours after after Election Day 2020, for sure? Counter-programming. Yeah. Um, a little bit away from ESPN, but one of their former stars there, Bill Simmons, now running The Ringer. I'm curious, uh, th- this story came out this week, I guess, where the, the staff of The Ringer is trying to unionize. Uh, Bill's been very quiet about it. Uh, and then there was a whole thing about, um, I, I, I know, I guess it was Vox Media that started the union, sort of for the websites and sports. Vox did it. Um w- is Bill silence on this because, you know, he's sort of running the show and he probably shouldn't comment or should we read into the silence as he's nervous? And what, what, and what is this, you know, are we going to see a trend here of sports media companies trying to unionize? Well, first of all, I don't think, I, I don't know. Nervousness is not something that comes easy to Bill. I don't think, I, I, I don't, you know, he just, very few times I can think of, where he gets nervous about something. Look, he made a decision when he left ESPN that he wanted to be entrepreneurial. He wanted to have autonomy. He wanted to create his own ecosystem. And, I mean, by, by many accounts, he's been incredibly successful. And this is one of those things that comes along with it. He had to deal with some employee issues early on, and he got to – I think he really understands – a by now what it means to actually be running a company. And that means that he not only has his own stuff and his own, you know, the podcast and the documentaries and everything else he does, but he also has to manage other people. And that means getting involved in a variety of things. This is a, this is a pretty tricky curveball. And I think that 
you know, in terms of his silence, I think he's probably just being responsible and right. trying to figure out what his what his reaction is going to be, what his options are, what how he wants to communicate with his employees, and it's probably not publicly. And you know, sooner or later, we're going to we're going to understand what's going on there. But I think it's probably look. I, I think that Barstool has a you know has been exhibiting a different kind of take on the whole thing, and um, you see what Dave has done, and that's one way to do it. And being silent and getting all your kind of information that you need and understanding what the company reaction is going to be is probably another way. So right. I, I kind of give him, I give him some credit that he wasn't, uh, you know, going on Twitter and all of a sudden, you know, becoming somewhat Trumpian and just, you know, doing some unvarnished thoughts. It's not Bill's style really. So it's not surprising. And I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, this isn't really, if you're Bill Simmons, if you're the ringer if, and their employees, uh, you don't, you don't want it playing out on Twitter. No. Doesn't no. help anybody. Um, another piece of news sort of goes back to ESPN a little bit, but not. But uh, last week it came out that the ESPN Plus uh, streaming network is going to be lumped in with Hulu and Disney Plus for thirteen bucks a month. How ESPN? I think they've done a really good job with ESPN Plus. Is, but I, I still feel like it's still all about TV, and maybe that's a short-sighted opinion. Um, how the ESPN Plus is that like the number one priority right now over at ESPN, or is it one of many priorities? Because it does feel like they're going all in on it. Well, I think keeping the NFL. Right. And maybe even going for an ABC package with the NFL is probably one of the bigger priorities for ESPN slash Disney in the sports world right now. But I think the interesting thing that's going on now with ESPN Plus and it fitting into the larger Disney Plus world is that for so many years, I think Disney had was very clear about the fact that they had a certain a certain margin of error that they were willing to spend money and lose money in order to make some money and and they did some of it and they sometimes they were successful sometimes they weren't but this streaming world they're spending a lot of money yep. and they're losing a lot of money and they firmly believe that they need to spend this money and they need to go through the losses that they're going through now in order to make sure that they're viable years from now. Mm. And it's going to be, it's just, it's kind of antithetical to the way they've been, um, you know, on, in so many other cases. So it, I think it shows the commitment that Bob Iger has to, to streaming and, his desire to not only take on the Netflix of the world, but also to make sure that this is something that, you know, Disney itself, I mean, ESPN plus is, is not a destination. It's part of the journey to Disney plus. Interesting. And, and Disney having its own mini bundle. Right. And its own ability to, you know, have relationships with consumers that are independent of cable systems 
and other subscription services. Look, I mean, who knows? I mean, are we going to be in a situation where two or three years from now, when we look at our credit card bills, we're going to be having like, you know, a dozen or or even more fees of like nine ninety five and twelve ninety five and fifteen ninety five and all these. I mean, it, you know, at some point we could, depending on how aggressive you want to be with your content you might wind up getting to the numbers close to what you used to pay for your cable bill. I, I've talked about be, it. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I think it would be one of the great ironies. But right. but my only point is that what, what we're seeing here is a clear strategy, right or wrong, from Bob Iger. They're going deep with it, and they're going to have to sustain losses for quite some time until they uh, until this shakes out. I've said on this podcast many, many, if, if someone out there who listens to this podcast every week, they're probably sick of me saying this, but I, I'm at, you said it two or three years we make it to the, I'm at that point now between, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Sirius and WWE Network, you name it, all the add-ons on top of the cable I still have, it's completely out of control and it's only, like you said, uh, who knows where we're going to be in two or three years with that. I feel like we've already sort of hit the peak with it. Um and I also think in terms of ESPN Plus, I think I give ESPN credit. I think they've put a lot of uh, good programming, you know, programming on there. They've gotten in bed with the right people, you know, Peyton Manning and, and, and Kobe Ryan. And they've tried to do, you know, appeal to younger people with Katie Nolan. And But to me, unless you have live games that people want to watch, it's always going to just be an uphill battle. And I pray we don't get to the to the day where games I want to watch are on a paid you know, streaming service. I still want them on my TV, but. I'm old, so maybe that's just me. Well, remember something, though. That used to be, <laughs> back in the 80s, people used to, you know, they had their network television, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I'm going to have to pay, like, cable to get to, to watch some of these games? Remember when Bornstein put on UNC Duke on ESPN2 because he was basically forcing the cable systems yeah. and cables to, you know, to have that channel? Um, you know, we're, we're kind of going through... A similar cycle now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I want to switch gears. I want to talk about a, a couple of TV things because you're always great with this stuff. Obviously, you wrote that phenomenal book on Saturday Night Live. You did the uh, podcast origins on you've you've done many topics, but Curb your enthusiasm was one of those topics. So I have some um, couple of TV things. Speaking of Curb, I, I know it's coming back for another season. Any word on that? Do we know when it's coming back? HBO is Larry banging out those episodes. What do we got on the next season of Curb? Well, it is coming back. HBO, as far as I know, has not formally announced anything. I know Larry and the team have been working on it. Um, I wouldn't want to get in Larry's way of his own announcement, but I uh, I have a couple uh, contacts who say that uh, January. January. Sources that say that we're going to see season 10 in January, which, uh, look, you know, it's not as soon as we would like it, but uh, at least, you know, it's something to look forward to. I think that that would be great, and you know, I, I would even go if I'm HBO. I'd say push it to February when the NFL's over and there's nothing on TV to watch. February's that dead month, but I'll take January. I'll be more than happy with that. So, well, listen, and, and the, the advantage of February is uh, once we're totally burned out on all these caucuses and primaries and right. car sick by the election process, um, we can find respite in in curb. You know, you just. I mean, yeah, by the way, it's worth noting again. I yeah. mean, I know I mentioned this in the podcast, and I think you and I have talked about this. But what we're talking about with Curb Your Enthusiasm, it's 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 unparalleled in the sense that I mean, and and you got to give HBO credit. The the guy does these shows, and they appear when they appear. Then he takes off like years, yeah, like years, and and then he comes back, does season nine, then decides, yeah, I'm going to do another one, but it's not like, you know, the next summer or whatever. And I think that only, only that kind of architecture, that kind of world um, is something that where Larry David could operate in. Because if, if there was a specific network schedule, I mean, look, one of the reasons why he left Seinfeld when he did was because I, I think, you know, that, that it is very, very hard to crank out all those episodes like that on that kind of schedule. And I, I think that it's remarkable um, that we have, we're looking at, it's going to be 2020 and we're going to see season 10 from Curb Your right. Enthusiasm. Right. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. Well, we had, a, I mean, it's crazy good. Yeah. I mean, we had a six year gap between season eight and nine. So at least this time, I think about it, it's been like a, a one or two year gap uh, between nine and 10 with uh, your announcement there that it's coming back in January, 2020. So at least, at least the time in between got shorter this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> listen, I mean, and I, I hope January is right because, um, you know, it's just, just nice to know, you know, that, there, there is a date when sometimes when there isn't a date, you kind of worry about, you know, is it going to be real or not? But right. I, I think, I mean, look, don't hold me to it, but right. uh, I've heard it from several people, and I think that that would be, uh, I'm all for it. It's funny you mentioned the primaries and the caucuses and, and the show coming back. I mean, I, it'd be interesting to see if Larry tackles politics or 
or Trump at all this season. You would think there's some right material there for him. Yeah, but he just he finds so much he, he finds so much agony in real life uh, that he doesn't have to you know he doesn't have to go to politics and and then you're kind of competing. I mean, the, the problem Saturday Night Live has when they do politics is I mean this is whether or not you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, you have to admit that this is this is an administration where you know on on any given day. There are things that happen that sometimes feel like an SNL sketch. Right. So how do you, if you're right. if you're a writer during the week, like, you know, but, how do you how do you top what's really happened? And I think Larry wouldn't want to have to kind of compete with that, so to speak. But can't you see some episode where Larry's maybe at home in the afternoon watching like a like a Kellyanne Conway or, or Sarah Huckabee Sanders press conference and just like losing his mind or something? Like I, I could see the frustration building, and I could see some sort of episode out of that. I feel like that would be too easy. Maybe. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's too, I mean, I would think that maybe there's, I, I mean, I'm just something on my head. It would be more like there, Larry meets this gorgeous woman. And she's exactly his type. She's, you know, beautiful in every way that he would want. And, uh, you know, and then he turn then it turns out that she's a, uh, you know, a Trump supporter. Right. I mean, I think, you know, he, he actually, he ended one season, the producer right. season yep. when uh, there was that picture of Bush and, uh, and, you know, that was like a rather Dick wilting moment for him. But uh, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, I think it could, you know, maybe play out that yeah. way. Or something where he, you know, he gets in a fight with someone with a Mac, uh, make America great again hat. I could see something. It doesn't, not an overtly, you know, not a full episode on you know Trump and hating Trump or politics, but you could just see him. You know he's at a he's at a red light, and then person next to him has a Make America Great Again hat, and he you know you could just see something. There's something there, a little something, I think. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Speaking of, H- yeah. Speaking of HBO, I think you're a perfect guy to talk to about this because. I feel like we recently, sometime in the past few weeks, uh, Rip Torn passed away. And am I wrong for thinking that the Larry Sanders show has totally gone underrated um, since it's since it, you know, everyone talks about Seinfeld and Curb and rightfully so the office and um, the Larry Sanders show to me is right there with it. Rip Torn on that show was so phenomenal. And I I had to ask you about that because I'm sure you have some thoughts. Well, I mean, look, first of all, let's just start with Rip Torn himself, who was just so magical and such a amazing everything he does i mean even defending your life every everything that the guy did was 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 special and it was really sad when he died and i completely agree with you i'm actually going to be doing some writing about larry sanders show and i think it's uh, it's 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 special it was way ahead of its time in many ways i think we we miss gary shandling big time and i think that when you go back and you look at it um, in so many ways, it holds up. I mean, it's 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 really kind of interesting. I don't know when the last time you saw an episode was, but it's not one of those shows where you go back and you look at it and think, "Oh my gosh, why did I like this?" Or right. that doesn't that doesn't feel right now. Uh, they were doing some stuff on that show, boy, that that just had not been done, yeah. and I thought it was I thought it was terrific. I rewatched the entire series in 2016. And like you said, I was, I was blown away by how much it holds up completely today. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And Rip was just, I mean, there were mo- there were scenes where he with Larry calming him down or explaining things or just where you just, you just, it's the great thing about Rip Thorn, there are scenes that he does where you think, oh my gosh, there's just like nobody else could do the scene. Yeah. Like nobody oh, yeah. else could have yeah. that, that kind of wry sardonic, but yet at the same time, he was so condescending to, 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 to Larry and it, and yet making Larry feel like he was being supportive. Right. It was just, it's, it's such a, I mean, it's it's really really hard. He, the way he delivered his lines was just sensational. Um, last one here before I let you go is the man who wrote the Saturday Night Live book. Uh, I, I'm curious, did you watch the Eddie Murphy comedians in Cars with Jerry Seinfeld? I did not, but it's queued up. I'm looking forward okay. to it. All right, because you know after I'm, that came out, and it's interesting because Jerry does all these comedians in Cars, and they're usually like. 15 minutes, 16 minutes, 17 minutes. The Eddie one was 42 minutes. They knew they had some gold there. And then there was a report, which it was page six, so I don't know, or maybe it was somewhere else, but it wasn't uh, completely reliable. It said he was signing some wild deal with Netflix. And I was just curious if you knew anything about that. Well, I mean, look, Coming to America is going to be... Right, right. The remake, that's going to be a pretty big... Uh, that's going to be a pretty big event. I think that one of the things that, uh, I don't know, I, I felt when I heard he was doing that with Jerry was, uh, I think Eddie wants to re-engage in the remake, and I, I, I'm not sure if Netflix uh, deal is going to go through or not. It would have to be huge to get him back, but uh, I think that, look, Eddie Murphy, there's a whole generation, I think, that really doesn't understand just how amazing this guy was. Yep. And I think... I mean, I often say, you know, at the age of 19, he basically saved SNL. Right. And um, I, I think it would be, I think it would be great. Uh, you know, he was, he didn't go to the 25th reunion and didn't do what people had hoped at the 40th reunion for SNL. But um, I think it would be great to see him again, particularly, my God, I can't even imagine what it would be like for him to do a Netflix stand-up special. That would be, um, you know, you just hope that it would be, as terrific as you want it to be. It, it, I'm, I, I'll be curious to talk to you when you watch when you watch him with Jerry because he, he talks about you know coming back to stand up and how it's such a different era now and you know if he he, he gets into um, how much he wants to work out his material, practice his material, work on material before doing a special. But now you have people filming things in comedy clubs and that whole thing. So it. Um, he, he, you can tell that he's uh, leery of the challenges because of this sort of um, world we live in now. So now, listen. Obviously, by the way, that is a yeah. that is a really big deal for comedians. Oh yeah, I've heard many comedians talk about that. I mean, Jerry doesn't care. I mean, Jerry will like pop into uh, a comedy club at nine or ten o'clock at night and try out his stuff, and doesn't worry about whether or not it's going to, uh, you know, get out or. Or whatever, but I think a lot of comedians, uh, you know, wish that they had the old days back where they really could go, quote unquote, off Broadway and try some stuff out. I mean, you know, and sometimes if it doesn't work, you, there's no fingerprints. Right. But nowadays, if, you know, there have been a couple times when comedians have, you know, decided to get back into it and they've gone to some remote thing, but all you need is like a couple people tweeting that, mm-hmm. who, you know, he or she wasn't funny. And, uh, you know, it was a brutal comeback, and it doesn't matter where the location was, and all of a sudden, they're looking at like they're, you know, 
that they have a huge challenge in front of them instead yeah. of just trying to be, you know, a little soft opening. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie talks about that a lot, so it was, it was good stuff there. And and uh, if you have not read Jim's book on Saturday Night Live, I, I urge you to do so, buy it. And But if even if you don't buy it and you're in a Barnes & Noble one day, read the section on Eddie Murphy basically saving SNL because it, it's pretty great. And if you're young and don't realize what Eddie did for SNL, get on YouTube or something because your life is not complete. Oh, well, thank you. I always I'm always struck by the fact that after being on the show and just, you know, killing it, crushing it, then sometimes you go into the street afterwards and, and literally not be, as a young black man, and not be able to get a cab home. Crazy. Crazy. That yeah. Was, yeah. Early 80s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it, God, I just, I remember those skits. Unbelievable. All right. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to Great you Great to soon. talk to you. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Alright, my thanks to Jim Miller. I like doing a chat where we cover sports and then sort of TV pop culture, so that was hopefully you guys enjoyed that too. Let me know. Do a review, rate it, send me a tweet. Always want feedback. Uh, if you didn't hear it last week, Stone Cold Steve Austin was on the podcast, so check that out. And please, if you're listening and not yet a subscriber, subscribe. It helps a lot. And we'll see you next week right here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.